Welcome to Ambient Discourses, conversations with musicians and composers who create musical experiences and sonic landscapes. My guest on the program is, well, it's me. I'm taking an exception, actually, here. Generally speaking, I interview other guests, but today I've got a something slightly different in store for you. We are going to have a producer's cut version of Atmos, my latest album, Atmos, where I will kind of break down the album and share some of the notable moments, talk a little bit about my musical history, my process for creating music, and what inspires me, and among other topics. Atmos is... I just love this album to pieces. Um, like this moment here that we're about to come into, it's about establishing patterns and then suddenly have deviations that kind of throw surprises into the mix. Like you feel like it's going a certain direction and then suddenly it starts to pivot and drift off into another time and space. Atmos is an exploration of sound, of ambience, space. It's really a reflection of the, the transition from one atmosphere to another. And in some ways, an exploration of what it means to kind of drift through not just space, because that's kind of... That can be trite, but it's drifting through these different stages and experiences and places, but from a sonic perspective. So that's really kind of what drives the creation process behind Atmos. Now, Atmos was the result of an improv session that I recorded back in what was it April 30th of 2023 and it was an experiment in blending from one uh, composition to another so the intent was to make this seamless experience where one piece bleeds into another with complementary notes and some contrasting notes and fading out one ambience in favor for another and it was an interesting experience, and what has resulted from this, for me anyway, has become a composition that is both a part of my meditation practice, as well as just um, just something that I really enjoy listening to when I take the dog for a walk. <laughs> but on the whole, this this album for me... And I mean this sincerely, that this album for me has been a bit of a religious or spiritual experience for me, especially when I go back and listen to it and I open myself up to, to the environment around me, when I expand my mind to open up my consciousness to the universe, and it just become it just has this way of of transporting me to someplace else and to consider different perspectives to consider 
different ways of thinking and being. So from that regard, it, it really, these sets of pieces really have been meditative and they really have been a spiritually transcendent experience for me. Let's listen for a while, shall we? This is track number two. This is labeled Tropo, a reflection on the troposphere. I tend to be pretty melodic with my music. Ambient music has kind of a pretty wide spectrum. I, I'm under the impression or the opinion of that there's so many different ways to express yourself in ambient music, but as I have been composing over the past, I don't know, well, I've been composing for a long time, but ambient music I really started diving into specifically in 2021. Um, I start my first ambient album was called uh, Relay Station 2021 Mars, and it was the start of rapid fire composition. I was composing music every week and releasing music every month. Now, by composing, full disclosure, it's I my process of composition has nothing to do with writing down notes with sitting down and writing long form notation. There's, and for many camps or many perspectives, many people believe that that is the only method of composition. I don't subscribe to that idea. For me, composition is more about, I have an idea in my head, a concept in my head. How can I quickly and efficiently get that idea into a tangible form? So it's, I equate it to sculpture. 
for me, music creation, music composition is very much like sculpting. I start out with a very rough medium and I have an idea in my head and it's like, okay, how can I get to that idea? So you start whittling away at things you try and throw different things into the mix and it's this constant process of refinement and following my gut instinct. So when I'm listening to like this piece here, I can't help but think melodically. Like I want my music to kind of tell a story, to set a scene, to convey an emotion or convey a space. And intermixed with that, there's a story to be told. And the best way to tell a story, musically speaking, is to introduce a melodic component. There's not a lot of ambient music these days that has that component. Much of it's really about exploring sonic sensations and vibrations and frequencies and modulations and things like that. But for me, can't help but not introduce a little bit more of a story in melodic form. We're coming up onto track three, which is entitled Strato, uh, which is so short for Stratosphere. We're gonna just listen to this for a while. I want you to enjoy the transition here into a new space, into a new environment, and let it whisk you off.
I have to confess that Strato is probably one of my favorite compositions on the entire album. I really love the transitions. I love the the introduction of ambience. You can you can hear waves crashing. You can hear a wind. The wind. There's even kind of this sensation. It sounds kind of like a jet, and actually that part fools me all the time. When I'm when I'm out going for a walk with a dog, and I happen to be listening to the album, that part just it just feels like there's a jet passing right overhead. But yet, it doesn't sound too jet-like. I mean, it sounds still like it's a part of the soundscape, right? Like it, like it's part of the wind or something. This uh, Atmos marks my thirty-fourth full-length ambient album out on in the Stolas Relay Station series. I started making music under the the relay station I started creating the relay station series back in March of 2021 and as I had implied earlier I was releasing music on a monthly basis so that that marked the first album so I was releasing at breakneck speed really and all of the compositions were or actually most of the compositions were improv pieces there were probably about maybe two or three dozen compositions that I pieced together, at a, if that makes any sense. Whereas the other was just like, all right, I really like this sound. I think I know how I want to start. I don't know how it's going to end, but we're just going to go with it and see where the journey takes me. And that, by and large, has been much of the Relay Station Elm series up until... There was a shift around um, the time that I had started making music for, I want to say, which album was it? Or, well, we'll put it this way, around February of 2022, after about a year of releasing all of these improv tracks, I started introducing more of a structured sensation or sense or structured arrangement to my compositions. Putting more thought into them, putting more intentionality instead of just kind of riding the wave, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's, in fact, I highly encourage it. If you're a musician and you have not experimented much with improv, in the privacy of your own studio space, your own rehearsal space, I encourage you to try it out. Just improvise. And it doesn't have to be anything perfect or fancy. It's really an exercise in exploration and being willing to try new things, being willing to step out of your comfort zone. And from personal experience, the more that I've tried this, the more that I have made it a part of my weekly discipline to work on improv music or work on the improv process. It's made me a much stronger musician and it's also provided me the liberty and the mental fortitude to just launch out 
and to not be afraid of the unknown, to not be afraid of the fact that I don't have a plan. <laughs> and I'm just taking it one, literally one step or one set of notes at a time. So that's what some of these compositions are. Like this, this particular composition here, as it's kind of bleeding into the next track, which is right now track four, and that's Mesosphere. This is really all about the slow blur and the transition from different note combinations, different chordal combinations, and taking time to just slowly contemplate how these things feel with one another. Like what happens when you add this note? How does it change the resonance? How does it change the, the frequency modulation between different combinations? And so music becomes very exploratory. And for me, that, that's, a, that's a great deal of fun. I've really started to see music and hear music differently now, uh, much differently than I have in the past. Now I, I see music as this rich experience. It's, it's funny because ambient music, traditional or real ambient music, at least according to Brian Eno's definition, is music that is simultaneously ignorable as it is um, entirely interesting. You have this freedom and flexibility to simply throw it on as background music for while you work or study or meditate or rest. Yet at the same time, it can be absolutely remarkable when you listen actively, when you become an active listener in the music, when you are engaged with it, you, you follow every transition, you follow every resonance, you feel it in your body, feel it in your mind. 
I feel that when you explore music this way, as an active participant, as an active listener, you experience music much more like, I would say, the composer, whoever wrote the piece. Because as a composer, as a musician, when, you, when you're creating, of course, you are the active participant in this process. But as the listener, I think that when you go beyond just passively listening, passively enjoying the music, to immersing yourself into the music, immersing yourself into the transitions from one set of chord combinations to another, or one phrase to another, or absorbing yourself into the textures and the spatial areas created in the music, you are in for a much more rich experience, I think. At least that's my perspective. And one of the things that I have taken to as one of my disciplines when I wouldn't call it a discipline really, but one thing that I've added to my arsenal to help me immerse myself and enjoy music on a much deeper level. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast where I will take my Bluetooth speaker. I've got a Bose kind of one of those sound color devices or whatever, and I'll just crank it up and I will place it on my chest and feel the resonance and feel the changes in the music and feel the, the fluctuations in the chord combinations and the textures. Then music becomes more than just a listening experience. It becomes a feeling experience where you can feel it in your body. And while I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that certain frequencies have certain healing properties, I will say this, that it's, it's a pleasure and it's a delight to feel the music and it can, I believe that it can have a soothing quality to it. And I would imagine that for persons with hearing disabilities who may be deaf or hard of hearing or have some sort of other condition that prevents them from being able to hear at what people would call normal levels, I think that ambient music carries with it the potential to bring music therapy on a physical level to those who might normally not even be able to listen to it, but to feel it, to feel the music, to feel the resonance can help whisk you off to another place.
I've not always been an electronic artist. Um, for much of my life, actually, much of my music creation days, I was really more of an acoustic artist. Um, back in about, you know, I did all the band things that everyone else did. You know, I was in a, several different alternative uh, bands back in the 90s and into the 2000s. I also um, launched out to do solo acoustic music back in the day. I think I started around around 96 or 97 or 98, somewhere around there. And I had adopted the pseudonym Michael Miles. That was the name that I operated under for a while. Um, and part of my expression was uh, acoustic instrumental music as a an extension of trying to help um, foster creativity I had back in the day set out to do what I had called acoustic sketches every day I would sit down and record anything anything that I could come up with in short order and my limitation of course was that whatever I recorded I had to finish that evening this was not up for debate um, the whole intent was to force myself into a creative habit when I had started that experiment um, I literally sat down with my phone <laughs> in my bed with my guitar and I recorded a short minute and a half piece on uh, on my phone and no frills and it sounded terrible oh my gosh and I felt awkward and it felt weird and it kind of felt weird like for the first week or so but with any new habit you start to cultivate the strength and the discipline and the patience to start creating on a level that you have not created before. So I still set within myself a limitation. So practically speaking, I did not have all the space in the world to just create music the way I wanted to. I had a small six foot by six foot space that was my, um, my space to make music. We were in this tiny, tiny, tiny house and we had a toddler and a babe, a newborn baby, my wife and I did. And so it was really all about space for the kids, space for us. And then I just had this little leftover space, a corner in our house, in this tiny house that we lived in for a while. And so I, I had this natural limitation and sometimes when you place limitations upon yourself, whether it's self-imposed or it's just imposed upon you because that's reality, if you embrace the challenge, you can tap into a level of creativity that you've not known before. And you can find, your, you can find deeper ways of exploring music creation within your limitations. So I tried different things. I, with my acoustic guitar, I had 
um, I used a tennis ball on the face of my guitar for kind of that kick drum sound. I also, of course, you know, had little egg shakers, you know, who doesn't, right? Different varieties of shakers. I used um, jazz brushes um, on the bottom side of a tin waste basket. And so that was kind of like, um, like a brush style high, high hat and snare combo. And that worked beautifully. Um, and then I did record a little bit of other um, instrumental stuff to go with it, but most of it was acoustic based instrumentation. And I recorded it all on GarageBand. And, and after a couple months of doing this, I, I really felt myself growing as a musician because of this construct. I had a limitation of space, a limitation of what was available to me. And from that, it really drove um, me into a much more deep creative space, I would say. Fast forward um, from the times that I was, when I was creating these acoustic sketches, a few years, I had made a change from a philosophical standpoint. After struggling for years, really, with um, depression, with um, some unforeseen drama that arose from a band that I was in and a variety of other semi-traumatic events that I had experienced and endured, some which was were musically related, others that were spiritually related. Um, I really started to undergo a deep this, what, what I consider the start of a deep transformational process for myself. For years, I had been sold the idea that the trajectory for any musician, any music creator, that was you need to create music, get out there, play shows, draw enough attention, get signed by a record label, continue to release more albums, start to tour, there's this whole narrative that we've been bought and sold over the years, especially I would say within the last millennium, but 
I think it's unique to our time. We have this idea of what a successful music career is supposed to look like. But I feel that we've been sold a bag of goods that's not realistic and it's not entirely sustainable. So for me, I had encountered stoicism in 2019 and I was in a place of desperation, really. I was angry all the time. I was frustrated with life, frustrated with all of the things that I could not control. I was prone to just fits of rage in my car driving to work and I was just really just angry at the world and I was angry at myself and I just felt like I was spiraling out of control. That's when I came across stoicism. Stoicism, and I won't go into, I won't belabor this point, but this one major kernel of truth broke through. And it's called the dichotomy of control. It's understanding the difference between what is within your control and what is not. The things that are in your control, that would be your thoughts, your opinions, your actions, your speech, pretty much the stuff that comes out of your brain and out of your mouth and out of your extremities. You and most of the things about you, not all, but most of the things about you are in your control. The things that are outside of your control are infinite. It's by contrast, there is so much. You can't control what other people think. You can't control their opinions, their perspectives. You can't control their actions. You can't control the weather. You can't control politics. You can't control your future. You can't control your past because your past has already happened. And when I started to go through these mental exercises, evaluating all of the things that I didn't have control over and thinking about the few things that I did have control over, I decided to try something. So I took this idea, the dichotomy of control, and I applied it to my music. At the time, I was not making music. I had, I, in fact, it had been nearly, I want to say about five to seven years had passed and I was not making any music at all. I thought about selling all my instruments. I thought about just closing it all up and simplifying my life and focusing on just my family and focusing on my job and but when I put my musical endeavors, music in general, through the dichotomy of control and assessed all the things that I did not have a lick of control over, things like whether or not people are going to like my music, much less whether they're going to buy it or not. I can't control the rates at which we get paid for streaming services. I can't control my level of popularity. I 
can't control whether or not people are going to end up at the shows. There's not much I really have that control over. If I'm really honest. And then when I thought about the things that I do have control over. I, well, I can't control how well I perform in the music industry, but I can control how well I perform when I'm sitting inside my space and I'm sitting down and I can practice more. I can write more. I can create because it brings me joy. It didn't bring me a joy at the time. Just <laughs> full disclosure. But a transformation started happening where I started realizing that I can go back to creating music simply because it has the potential to bring me joy and delight. Not because other people get to enjoy it or not because I want other people to enjoy it or not because I want album sales or to be popular or to get signed by a record label. All of that shit eventually gave way to let's just create because we can let's create because it's a part of who I am and to not go through life without creating is is a less fulfilling life it's lacking some of the potential now, to be clear, it took me about a good solid two or three years to really bust through some of the old programming, the old ideas that I've held on to about writing music, about releasing music, about what motivates me. And I've finally found this space, this sacred space where I get to create. I get to decide what kind of environment that I want to establish or to bring into the world. So through the process of sound experimentation and toying around with different instrument settings and presets, affecting different parameters, trying different chord combinations, different patterns. I get to explore, I get to create, and I get to build a musical world that did not exist before. And in that simplicity, I have found joy, peace,
music really has become an extension of my meditation practice of the discipline of reaching out to the universe to observing life around me to observe humanity observe myself to observe nature our choices to observe truth from many different perspectives not just my own and I have to say that as a musician for the first time in my life I I don't care if I ever get signed I don't care if I'm ever popular or if people like my music all of that is has become entirely irrelevant to me. Now it's more about how can I tune myself, tune my body, tune my mind, tune my consciousness to the world around me, to nature, to the cosmos, to the universe. How can I tune myself in and listen? Observe. Meditate. And then express myself and express my observations and create a space that did not exist before. That for me is the music creation process. It has very little to do with whether or not we really like the music, whether or not you like it. it has nothing to do with popularity. It has nothing to do with trying to get more listens on Spotify, more likes on social media. But it has everything to do with I'm trying to live my very best life. I'm trying to connect to the universe on a way I've never connected before. And music is a wonderful vehicle to help take me there. I hope that you find in yourself something similar. Find your personal resonance with the universe, with the cosmos, with nature, with the rest of us in humanity. Find your place, find your voice, and fine tune your place and your connectivity to everything around you. Let's listen to the remainder of the tracks, shall we? This track that we're listening to right now is called Magneto or short for magnetosphere which then bleeds into Atmos 2 thank you for listening I hope that you enjoy the rest of the music here you've been listening to ambient discourses conversations with musicians and composers who create musical experiences and sonic landscapes thank you for listening <laughs>